Welcome to the Mindful Sobriety Podcast with your hosts, Jane and Amanda. I'm Jane, a licensed psychotherapist and alcohol-free retreat host. And I'm Amanda, alcohol-free lifestyle coach and yoga instructor. We're so glad you're here. Today, we're going to hear the story of our guest, Katie. She is a lifelong friend of mine. We actually met in seventh grade. We sat next to each other in life management skills and immediately became friends. And we're still friends today, um, three decades later. Oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy. So she was gracious enough to come on and be vulnerable and share her story of healing and recovery with us. Amanda is not in the studio today. She started a new position as a recovery coach and she is training today. So we'll miss her, but she will be back with us next week. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Katie and are inspired by her words. Katie, thank you so much for being here today for yes. uh, agreeing to share your story. This is so exciting. I know. I'm excited too. Yes. So to go back a little bit, you and I met when we were 12 in yes. Ms. Gates class in junior high, life management skills. Um, and we have been super close. I feel like we kind of grew up together, either me we going did. to the lake with we you were. on the weekends or you staying with me when your parents went to the lake and yes, which was you awesome. know, fighting with my sisters with me. And, uh, we, we all have a, things. all the things we have a long history. And so super I am just, mother. she was like a second yes, mother to me. And I loved yes. She loved you so much. And I love that you loved her. And, and now your mom is my surrogate mom. Yes. Mama. She adores you and your children too. No. Well, I asked you to come on here and share a little bit of your sober story. Yeah. You actually quit drinking alcohol long before I did. But before we get into that, maybe just tell everyone a little bit about you, kind of where, where you grew up, where you are now. Just help us, give us a little context about your life. Okay, sure. So I um, grew up in Wichita Falls. Now my husband and I, we kind of moved. We moved to the Metroplex for 10 years. Then um, his job brought us to the Lubbock area. So we've been out here since 2012. Um, Doug Gosh, and I has it been, been that long? Yes. We were just saying that. We're like, oh, we have been here um, over half our marriage. Yeah. And so we, um, we have Hudson, I have a stepson who is 29. Um, and then together we have Jackson, who's about to be 21, um, in February, Cannon, who's 17, he's a junior in high school. And then we have Clara Jane, um, who is eight. She's about to be nine next week. Yes. We um, just celebrated her last weekend yes. at the American Girl store and Barbie. Barbie. Yes. She loved it. She's precious. So, um, anyway, I'm a stay at home mom. Um, and like I said, Doug and I, we met in Wichita Falls through a mutual friend. He's 10 years older, but we kind of knew all the same people and we've been married now. Um, we just celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary, um, in September. So my gosh, no. How are we old enough that it's possible to have been married for 22 years? Makes me, I know, I know. And together 23. So that's awesome. Just a little bit about me. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about when alcohol came into your life, the early years of drinking. What did that look like? Okay. Not that you Um, need to tell me because I remember it personally. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. Um, which is ironic that we drank for the first time. I know together. together. Yeah, oh. and now thirty years later, we're um, talking about sobriety. So um, seriously, our mothers would be so proud. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it started very young, and I think that um, it was just something that everybody did. You know, um, in where we grew up. You know, everybody in high school, and I shouldn't say everybody. Um, it seemed like everybody. It, it was very, like, uh, it was part of the cultural norm for yes, sure. It was very normal. And so that's just, you know, what we did. Everybody drank. Um, it, 
was, you know, seemed fun at the time. And it was just definitely a part of just, you know. It was like a coming fun. of age part of growing up in small town, North Texas. We exactly. would exactly. drive out to Pawnee, the, the lake. Yes. Or somebody's land or. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I remember, you know, making sure I had enough of my allowance for a six pack and a pack of cigarettes. And that was, you know, what we did. And that's hilarious. A pack of cigarettes was what, like two or three dollars? I think so. I think it was close to three or four. It seems like. And then I think a six pack was probably six dollars. Unless so you I got Natty that, Light, and then that was a little cheaper. That's right. And so I remember $10, <laughs> I think, was what you needed. And then, you know, of course, a couple of dollars for the Taco Bell late Oh, night. absolutely. The late night was, yeah. was key. Or Whataburger. Yes. And so we did that um, every, you know, Friday and Saturday night. Um, yes. And, you know, I mean, some of it was fun, you know. Um, we had some fun times. I mean, it yeah. was not without consequence. For sure. But for the most part, we skated through that without any long-term consequences. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Our mothers probably got some gray hairs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did, we were, you know, really lucky. We didn't really get any into any legal trouble or accidents or, you know, anything. So nothing um, major. We were very fortunate. God was looking out for us. For sure. For sure. I can remember being in the back of Laura's Ford Explorer and there would be like probably eight of us in the way back yes. with the seats down yeah, and so we, we would drive over that bridge to the yeah. lake and she would turn off her headlights. Yes. yes. Oh, and none of us were gosh. buckled up because she was the only driver yes. with the license first because she was a year older. And so she was a year older. So we were like 15 or, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. I, can't even believe I mean, it. just thinking about, um, how fortunate we were. Yeah, God was definitely looking after us. Yes. Um, so that's where my relationship with alcohol started. And even then, I mean, of course, looking back in retrospect, I had a very um, instant, you know, love of the of the alcohol as far uh-huh. as the way it made me feel. Um, you know, what do was, you remember about that when you like when you drank? What do you remember it providing for you? Um, well, it took away any social anxiety. It made me, you know, more outgoing, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, kind of instantly gave you a, a euphoric feeling also, you know, that sure. you definitely, you know, that I definitely chased. Um, and, and do you remember the way it was like with, we were like freshmen and then the older girls, it was kind of like mean girls in a way. Oh, for sure. And so it was a way to not be intimidated and to look sure. cool and kind of do what they're doing sure, and be accepted. Sure. And I was the target of the mean girls. You were the target of the mean girls. I think I you were so cute. I don't know. I don't really, I never understood exactly why I was such the target, but they loved to, um, to seek, you know, seek me to out. To bully you. Yes. Yes. And so that, I think Ugh. that definitely did add, you know, um, definitely did add, um, some, it was easier to deal with it and it, it added some courage, you know, yes. as far as a little liquid courage out, for sure. <laughs> Otherwise I probably would have just hid in the, hid in the car, but yeah, I was definitely bullied by some of them. Um, yes. and again, never really understood why, but then there were, there was also an early consequence to the drinking also, because I, from the very beginning, I never had a limit. And so I would always, you know, drink too much. And then I would be the sloppy drunk girl. And then so there were more repercussions as far as being, you know, the targeting of bullying or, you know, and so then there would be a week or two long of just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Now everybody's making fun of me because I was the sloppy one or I did, you know, whatever it was. Usually it was- the anxiety too makes oh, the, sure. that like guilt and shame and cringe for feeling sure. even totally more intense. I just still remember those early days of just being like, it was just early consequences, social consequences. Right. Of Social consequences. Uh, That's a good way to, to yeah. label it. And so um, I definitely from the beginning 
never had a limit. You know, it was just drink till it was time to go home. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so, totally. um, and then and that playing drinking games and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then of course it followed me to college. Um, I went to Ole Miss, um, my freshman year. It was a, probably not the best decision for me to go that far off because I did, you know, go, it was what, 14, 15 hours from home. Um, I went really not knowing anybody. It just sounded like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and so then the drinking, I, you know, I used alcohol again for, to feel more um, accepted or to feel a little more uninhibited or to, you know, yes. get rid of some social anxiety because it definitely does take away your inhibitions. Absolutely. It, it eliminates social anxiety in the short term. In the short term, for sure. And I was using alcohol drinking way too much. And at college, you know, there's, I mean, you're 14, 15 hours away from home, total free range. Um, and so I ended up failing out both semesters, which the first semester I didn't go because I never went to class. I mean, I was, you know, just drinking and partying. Surviving. Yes. Different events had happened um, that I, you know, made just stupid, stupid decisions. Um well, and decisions that maybe you made under the influence or you were hungover and recovering from being under the influence. Exactly. Oh, of course. Um, but all yeah. alcohol, you know, related and, um, you know, kind of went into a depression, depression. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, which, of course, you know, the alcohol either induced or compounded. Not well, sure which one. The chemical, you know, alcohol is a central nervous system depressant. For sure. and. So chemically, it probably exacerbated or caused depression. And then yes. the consequences of alcohol use also contributed to feeling depressed. Yes. And so um, I ended up staying two semesters or almost to the second semester. The only reason I even went back is because when I was home for Christmas, I took my grades. Do you remember I took my grades out of the mail so that my parents yes. wouldn't see them? And so by the time that they did see them, I was already back. And, um, but for sure my failure at, you know, at college the first time was, I mean, definitely a consequence you know, of that total consequence of, of alcohol abuse. Right. Um, so then, and you know, funny that it was back in the day when grades came into the mail, your parents yes. didn't have access online to see like every to single grade you yes. made. I know. So you must've just been hypervigilant watching for the mail oh, every yeah, day. For sure. Um, but came back to, um, Wichita Falls. I, oh, my mom made me go to an outpatient alcohol, yes. alcohol treatment. I definitely was not, you know, ready for that or mm -hmm. ready to, um, and I think that at 18 to say that I could never drink again, there was just absolutely no way I was ready for that. Yes. I mean, at 18 to say, and especially whenever you grow up with it being such a part of the culture and right. You would feel like your social life is over. Oh, and as an 18 year old, your social yes. life is everything. Yes. And so I kind of went through the motions. It was like, I think a two hour class, um, in the evenings, Monday through Friday. Um, they help you with depression there too. I do not think so. Okay. Um, but I also remember going to your mom and had set me up with a counselor. And so I remember then that I did start an antidepressant. Okay. And was that I helpful? I, can't I guess it's hard to remember. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. I mean, I think so. Um, but again, I can't really remember. Um, I did quit drinking for probably three to six months. I can't also remember exactly how long it was. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, went back, went back to it. To, like, you know, it's not a problem. And of course it was, and it, um, it continued. Uh, it's also hard to have perspective though, at that age, when everyone you hang out with is drinking to intoxication on a regular basis. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, why, are, why would I have a problem, but not everybody else? All these that, other friends yes. of mine who are doing yes. the same thing. And just to give a little more backstory, mother's father, was an alcoholic. Um, she was raised in an alcoholic home. She and my dad decided they, neither one were really drinkers. And so I grew up in a home where alcohol wasn't part 
of, um, you know, I mean, I, I really never life. remember seeing my mom drink and maybe my dad once a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time so, we went to the lake, I don't ever remember seeing your parents drink no, out there. It just wasn't a part of, um, of my family life. My mom was very sensitive to the fact, and I did know that my uh, grandfather was an alcoholic and of course remembered that. Um, did he get he sober stopped, later in life? Yeah, he stopped, he stopped drinking when I was like 11 or 12. Okay. Cause I don't remember him ever drinking either out at the lake. Mm -hmm. No. Um, there is that no. genetic component in your family for sure. that for sure. potentially also played into yes. your relationship with alcohol. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just my grandfather, several um, family members on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then just Doug and I got married, grew up in the same culture in the same town that we did. Yeah. Drinking was a big part of our marriage and dating whenever we first met. That's what we did is we got together you know, socially with friends, whether we were going to dinner, whether we were going to party, whether we were just having people over, it was yeah. just always centered around alcohol. Yeah. It was um, just a given. Yes. Oh, absolutely. A given and not just having a drink or having cocktails. It was, you know, drinking to intoxication. Right. I can remember back then, you know, my mom being upset with me for drinking and she would say things like, well, why can't you just have two drinks? And yes. I can remember thinking, well, what's the point of that? Oh, why would sure. I just have two drinks? I don't even like beer. I'm just drinking it because it's how yes. you have fun. Like, I'm not going to just I, sip on two beers. That was such a foreign, you know. It was a foreign, foreign concept. concept. To say, why would, why, why would you have any? I mean, you know, and it was always, you know, how much beer do we have for the night? I mean, and, you know. Yes. It, and we'd play it, drinking games yes. to drink faster. and drink Faster. Yes. I mean, the point was always, it was, ne it was never, I don't think for us or for, you know, the friends and the people that we grew up with, it was never to have a glass of wine socially or to have no. a couple of beers socially. We didn't the, drink wine. There wasn't wine back then anyway, no. unless maybe you got some Franzia box wine. Exactly. Or Boone's, Boone's was, Farm. Oh my gosh. That makes my, me nauseous just thinking. Oh. But the point was always to get drunk and even into whenever I got married and, um, and our, you know, our social circle then was always, you know, to surround around drunk. drinking. To, yes. yes. What was early marriage like for you? It's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. um, and I had, I had found out that I was pregnant not too long after we got back from our honeymoon and it showed the date of conception being the day that we flew home. Um, I know that that can always be a little bit off, but, yeah. um, so were we all part of the mile high club or was it no, an, no. an incorrect date? <laughs> yeah, it was probably an incorrect date. Um, but we lost that one. Um, cause we, and we weren't, that. it wasn't a planned pregnancy, you know, but, um, we were still really excited. And so I miscarried and then even though we were going to wait two or three years, once I was pregnant and had the miscarriage, then I was ready, you yes. know, to have. And so we tried, started trying for Jackson as soon as we could. So early marriage was, you know, we were probably only married. Um, our anniversary was September 8th and then Jackson was born of 2001 and then Jackson was born 2003. Um, yeah. So very early on, um, you know, we were young parents. And also we had the steps, my stepson Hudson, who was six at the time. Yes. But, um, you know, I think it was just normal struggles of, you know, newlyweds, just life. But then um, also, you know, there was a lot of drinking. That's just what we did mm -hmm. for fun, for date night. It was, you know, getting together with our group of friends and, and drinking. And right. it's hard to remember exactly. I'm sure it caused a lot of problems you know, whether arguing or fighting over, you know, um, stuff that isn't important in the grand scheme that of things important that it was just a, you know, drunken argument. Mm -hmm. I do remember Doug and I don't know how early this started. Um, but I know that it was, it was a common, you know, problem for us throughout, um, was that Doug would kind of get on to me of like, you know, you, you definitely overdid it last night, or you said, I can't believe you said this to this person, or I can't believe. And 
I remember it would just make me so angry. And um, because he was drinking too, he was just more, you know, he clear headed. Yeah. Uh, And he's a very large man. So he probably was less impacted by. Yes. Alcohol. Yes. And so, um, and I would always, you know, you just don't want me to have fun. You just don't like me. You just don't like my personality, you know? And so that was a a common fight that constantly happened. Interesting. um, So it was, there was like a pattern of that. Oh yes, definitely a pattern. And it was, um, and it was regularly, um, that, that argument sober and looking back on it. I mean, some of the things that I did or would say to people, you know, he was very, he had a, a good reason to be like, oh, yes. Well, and he's such a nice, kind person. Oh, and if you're saying something that could potentially offend someone, I'm sure he was just like, Katie, no. So nervous all of the time on what I was going to say or what I was going to do that he was, you know, having to, and you're exactly right. Doug, Doug doesn't like, you know, he does. He doesn't like being uncomfortable for anybody to be upset. So yes. yeah, he was all. He was always. I think he probably had more of a anxiety the next day from what his from wife you. did embarrassed him. Um, well, and I think we both kind of have that trait of we appear very uh, like proper sometimes. Yes, and so it can be. I think. Once when you're intoxicated, it can be kind of fun to say shocking things and surprise people. Yes. And I know I did that a lot. For sure. I did a lot. It was entertaining. It was almost entertainment for me. Yes. Um, to say like you're bored and you can say something kind of crazy and all of a sudden people are like either laughing or they're having some kind of emotional response. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So poor Doug. And I, I, and I think also I remember my argument was probably a manipulation to try to get him to leave me alone, not try to regulate my alcohol intake. And so that was just a way to turn it around and, oh, you just don't like my personality. Everybody Mm -hmm. thinks I'm funny except for you. You must not really love me you know, or you just don't like me or, you know, you're, or, or you're trying to control me, you know, it was always yeah. going to be one of those arguments. And he's just like, you know, yes, but it was much point. easier probably for you to focus on that narrative than oh, look at sure. the reality of, you know what, maybe these for consequences sure. aren't actually worth the benefit exactly. of drinking, whatever that exactly. might be. Yes. So was there a point where you Or I guess what was, what led you to be like, you know what? I think this isn't working for me anymore. I want to make some changes. Yeah. So there was also kind of a pattern throughout um, before I I quit drinking um, six and a half years ago, it'll be seven in March um, of me kind of pulling a big stunt and being confronted by, you know, Doug and my mom um, Mm -hmm. of like, look, you know, this is a problem. You've got to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also believed the narrative of I don't drink every day. So I don't have a problem. I only drink beer, you know, or wine. So I don't have a problem. I didn't hard liquor was never my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, or all of y'all drink. Why do you think that I have a problem? But then I would do something that caused everybody to, you know, and I guess so every now and then there would be an incident there that would, be an incident would get people's attention. It would get piece of people's attention. I would be confronted by it. So I would agree, you know, okay, maybe I need to, you know, take a step back from alcohol and I may quit for a little bit. I probably would, um, in some of the details, you know, I mean, it's been years, but I would quit and then, um, say, well, I'm only going to drink, you know, on, once a month and I'm only, you know, going to have two or three. Well, I would secretly probably down five before I had my two or three. And, and so it would appear that you were kind of moderating. Yes, that I was, that I was moderating and that it wasn't a problem. Um, what so did that, that do to you from a, an emotional standpoint, just kind of like keeping up that or trying to keep up that persona that that's stressful. Yeah, it was stressful. You know, I had some guilt, you know, and shame, um, 
constantly thinking, looking over my shoulder was, you know, Doug going to catch this is, you know, and, and, but I, it's hard to say because I don't know if I was just more worried about getting caught and then having to have the consequence of really not drinking mm-hmm. or, you know, what that emotional struggle was. Yeah. And I'm sure there was a lot of like just avoidance of thinking about the reality of it. Yes. Yes. Because I mean, for me, I just wanted, it was more of a, you know, I wanted to protect my ability to drink. Your freedom. Yeah. And so, um, so that, that had, had been going on. I, I guess that there was another incident where, um, I was confronted to quit drinking. And so I quit drinking for a, for a, a period of time, which really, I probably did for a little while and then I just started hiding it. Yeah. And so then um, I didn't drink in front of anybody um, as far as family, especially my mom is one of the ones that I didn't want her to know that I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Doug, I was able to, you know, convince that it was okay if I just had a little bit. Um, and so the, but the little bit turned into, of course, more. And then I was just hiding the drinking and Doug worked out of town. So it was easier for me. He'd be gone during the week a lot. Yes. Yes. And so, um, and that was probably highly stressful and maybe alcohol felt like a way to cope. Yes. Yes. You know, taking care of two boys at that time. And yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I think that there, there was definitely an internal struggle with myself of like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is getting out of hand. Like I, you know, I, can see this having a lot of consequences if I continue to keep drinking. But then also the hangovers became so intense and I would be sick for two days. I would drink the same amount that I, you know, always had. And then the anxiety became overwhelming. I was debilitating such anxiety. Yes. But then I was kind of on the roller coaster too of, you know, then you have such a bad hangover the anxiety, horrible anxiety. And then two or three days later though, like, okay, I'm so anxious. I just need, you know, a beer to calm me down. And so it was just kind of that to where I was a roller coaster. Yes. And just knew that it was, it was time to, to give up, give up alcohol. And then my mom and Doug, again, I think had kind of caught on to how much that I was drinking. And so they kind of confronted me again and at that point, I agreed to go to treatment. Mm-hmm. My circumstances, I didn't need to detox. Um, so I opted for an intensive um, IOP or, and I can't remember, you'll have to tell me what it stands for. It's oh, intensive outpatient. outpatient. There's PHP, which is partial hospitalization. Okay, and that's, that's kind of like eight to five. And I did see um, a psychiatrist because the place that I went to and Jane is the one that got me um, connected to the rant. Uh, remember w- you called me and yes, yeah. I did. I called Jane and was like, okay, I think that I have a problem. And Jane was like, yes, I think you do. And, um, so she helped me get into the ranch at Dovetree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I opted for, uh, I know that a lot of people need inpatient, yeah. um, with Doug working out of town with Clara Jane, just being two with me having the boys, um, with me not needing to detox, um, yeah. because I could go d- days without drinking. I wasn't, didn't have a necessarily um, physically dependent. Yes. Um, on alcohol, but I did go, I believe I went from, gosh, I don't, I think I went from 10 in the morning until five. And then there was an hour break. And then I think I went from six to nine. So, wow. So you were for, there most waking hours. And so I, we, um, we got sitters, um, that did help with Claire Jane because at that time she was only two. So mm-hmm. I think maybe it was one to five and then maybe six to nine. Anyway, I was there a lot and I was there. Um, and I can't remember if I did 30 or 60 days. So looking back, do you feel like there was a shift in your readiness at that point to like actually do something about it rather than just avoid confrontation? I've thought about that a lot and I still am not really clear on if 
I mean, I guess I had to have been ready. Yeah. Um, either that or you, something, you learned something in treatment that just hit home or. Yes. So I think that, um, okay. So I think without treatment, I definitely wouldn't have, have still stayed like maintained sobriety. Yeah. Yes. I, and I think that there was a big, I don't know if this is true or if this was just my perception of the way that treatment, the way that people think about treatment, people that don't have a problem with alcohol, is I felt like that some people in my life almost thought that going to treatment was a weakness. Like, why can't you just quit? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've thought about this a lot. It's almost like, well, if you have to go to treatment, then, you know, you know, your, your willpower's lacking or you, um, you know, you're just not strong enough. So you need to go to treatment. It's, it's weird. And I'm like, well, they don't give you a magic pill and treatment. They don't, no. you know, give you a shot and say, okay, now you're, so at the end of the day, whether you go to treatment or not, you're still quitting, you know, Absolutely. with willpower and with, you know, your own decision, just the same as if you didn't go to treatment. So I don't know. I was, do you think that there's that kind of perception with people that think that probably there's probably a little bit of a stigma that, that I think is getting better. Yeah. But for some people, you know, they hear the word treatment or rehab and they have the, just this stereotype in their head and they may, they likely don't realize what that actually entails, right. which is a lot of hard work, yes. you know, a lot of group therapy and working the steps and confronting, yes, confronting um, resentments and yes. guilt and shame. And you learn new tools, which yes. For sure. I don't understand why there would be a stigma with, it's basically like education. Yes. You're learning how to cope in a healthy way. Yes. And also just learning, um, learning kind of just the biology and the physiology of alcohol yes. and what it does to your system and what it does to your mind. And yes, you know, um, I loved yeah. treatment. Um, like I said, I, I don't think that I would be still sober today if I didn't go to treatment. Yes. Um, it, you also, there's a spiritual awakening, but there's also a lot of healing. And I don't really, I didn't, I, I had a great childhood and stuff. I don't have any deep traumas or anything that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, but you learn a lot about yourself, a lot about your relationships, um, you know, healthy relationships, some that may not be quite that healthy. Yes. Um, and so I, I loved it. I mean, I would definitely recommend it for anybody. I know that some people need in treatment and, you know, I think that that would, I mean, inpatient, I think that that, you know, I can know that could be, seem scary for some. Um, but if you have a good enough support system, like I did, you know, the, the intensive out the PHP, the partial and the mm -hmm. IOP, it was great for me. I had a, I had a, I had a good experience with it. Yeah. I'm for a busy mom, that's, I think yeah. it's so great that that's even available, that you can I still go home at yes. night and be with your family yes. and yes. go work and on yourself during the day. For sure. And, and meeting the people, you know, um, it's a humbling experience. I mean, you know, there's just, it's just a very human problem, you know, there yes. it's just all ages, all walks of life. Um, but the effects are the same. I was also very fortunate that Doug was very supportive um, of me going. He came to all of the spouse like family um, programming therapy sessions and different things. There were some one-on-one -on -one, um, or just with my, my counselor um, with Doug and I, that there was a marriage part that was once a week and he came to that. And then Doug, you know, kind of just got on board and kind of changed our lifestyle also. Mm -hmm. um, drinking was, like I said, a big part. The interesting thing is, is that I think that Doug was already to the point where it wasn't fun for him. Mm -hmm. As far as there were a lot of times I was thinking about this also, that he would get home from work on a Friday. He was ready to just, you know, relax, be with the kids. And I'm like, oh, I've been by myself. I would, you know, and I was like having to coax him, like, let's go have a drink. Let's do this. Yes. And he's like, like you're so ready to get out of the house and do something. Yes. And so, um, but he's been really supportive. He's kind of changed his lifestyle as far as, um, is how much, how often he drinks. 
at first he really cut back even at the lake um, and stuff, which that's, you know, after he's been working in the hot sun or he's out mm-hmm. on the, out on the water, you know, he loves to have a few beers. When I first got sober, he really cut that back. Um, okay. And then as time goes on, he does drink more in the summer. Um, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, during the fall and the winter months, we don't have alcohol in the house except for maybe some bottles of wine up at the top that has even brought, you know, as a hostess I've had that's just left over. But he'll go months without, you know, without even a having drink. a beer. Yeah, it's just okay. not really part of our, our home life. That's really so nice. I'm very, very grateful for that. So... So now I feel like the landscape for sobriety and living alcohol free has changed a lot over the last, like since you got sober almost seven years ago. Yes, for sure. Before it was kind of like AA was the main source of support and community. Yes. Yes. What was that like for you? Did you choose that route after you finished your treatment program? So, um, the ranch at Dovetree, you know, they, they require you to go to AA meetings. You can pick your own. And so I had found one, um, and they really encourage you to find a sponsor on your own. That's not something Mm -hmm. that they do for you. Um, they kind of give you a deadline, you know, when, and then you would also have one-on-one meetings with your psychologist or, or counselor therapist. I can't remember which one. Yeah. Um, So they kind of hold you accountable by finding a sponsor. Uh, I had found a sponsor pretty early on. And so I did that. I, I did complete um, the 12 steps. The 12 steps. And um, after I after I graduated from the treatment program, I did go to meetings periodically. Um, and then I just didn't really feel like that it was necessary for me or I guess I should say I knew early on that I wasn't going to be a lifer yes. AA meetings, you know, and there are a lot of people who need it and they go to two meetings a day um, and it's, it works for them and that's what they mm-hmm. need. But then also I think it's great because their stories are inspiring to all of for the newcomers. Sure. And so I think that maybe it's also a calling for them, you mm-hmm. know, that a way to give back a way of giving back. I think with, with me, um, once I felt comfortable in my sobriety, um, and I had talked to about with my sponsor and she's like, it's not necessary to stay sober, to come to the meetings. She was like, yes, you know, a lot of people need it because they do, they don't have supportive spouses at home. They don't have, you know, just different circumstances. I didn't feel like that it was something that I needed. I also have my faith and my, you know, spiritual walk that, um, I know has helped me with, my sobriety. For um, sure. And so I felt comfortable in not continuing to go to meetings. I um, have continued to stay in touch with my, um, my sponsor. Okay. And so I do try to meet with her at least once a year just to kind of just touch really base re- and review how base, things are going. Kind of review how things are going, anything that I may need to kind of clean up in my in my life, anything that may be a problem, you know, anything that I think may be a trigger at some point that I would want to, you know, use alcohol, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. And I mean, but I also know you never get too comfortable. You don't want to get too comfortable, right? Too comfortable, but, um, but at the same time, I'm, it's, it's not a daily struggle. It's not a even weekly or, you know, monthly struggle to me. To me now, it's just, it's, just the way it is, just like it was before I started drinking, you know? Yes. There are moments where, you know, you're like, oh, especially at a nice restaurant, if we're at a nice restaurant, there's this beautiful meal. It's like, oh, a glass of wine would be nice. It's a fleeting thought, you know, of yeah. like, oh, I wish that I could have, you know, a glass of wine. A glass or of wish, wine. You know, I could kind of join in. But the reality isn't that I could just have a glass of wine and it be fun, you know? And I... I've been asked this before is if I thought that I could handle drinking and, and there's not, I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I had one beer right now, I could, I would not want to stop. Now, yeah. could I, you know, probably, but probably, eventually but it might to. progress to a point oh. that it becomes yeah. problematic for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, life without alcohol, 
really is pretty good. It's so much better. It's so much better. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, you know, this just about how obsessed our culture is with alcohol, that it mm -hmm. is included in everything. Everything. Um, everything centers around every social event, every, you know, everything, every event. Yeah, kids' concert, sporting events. And yes, all of that, everything. Um, it's every, it's, it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's dangerous, you know, um, I think about too, with the, with kids, you know, I've, and I've thought about this just with, um, and different things that I've seen, but as far as people's dependency on alcohol, and even if mm -hmm. they don't have a problem with alcohol, let's just say they don't have a problem. Yeah. And I've heard this you hear it all the time. So if anybody's listening, I'm not that you've done this. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying, yes. you, you hear it all the time. It's on TV. It's everything. It's like, Oh, I've had such a long day. I've been so stressed out. I've got to have a glass of wine. Right. And so, you know, what are we teaching our kids if, but it's also what we were taught, you know, taught whether by our parents or even if they didn't drink just by, by culture, culture in general yes. um, is, that everything, you know, you need alcohol to calm your stress instead of teaching them healthy ways to deal with a stressful situation, yeah. to cope with everything that life is going to throw you. Yes. You know, like, let me take 10 message. minutes to myself yes. to go do yes. something that I enjoy to switch yes. gears and relax. Yes. And not. Yes. Like we are modeling time. for our children for what sure. is normal. For and sure. they're watching. Whether we realize it or not, they're watching us. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will share that. So, uh, you know, and of course I worry about my kids with, um, me having a problem with alcohol. Um, and then also with just the genetic component. And so I kind of worry about my kids. I'm trying to be as honest, you know, with them as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my counselors, whenever I did go to treatment, did talk about, um, a statistic. And of course there's different statistics for, you know, anything, but right. that, um, that kids that are, see their parents go through something and correct it are more are less likely to make the same mistakes. And so I hope, and I pray that for my children, you know, yes. I, I throw a lot of statistics at them a lot. Like, you know, the lo longer you wait to start drinking, the more, yes. you know, less likely, the less likely you'll ever have an addiction. Yes. Yes. You know, just different things. But, um, I, whenever I was celebrated five years sobriety, um, they, Doug and Jackson and Cannon came to the meeting. I told a little bit of my story and Doug, um, you know, told me how proud he was. And so they, he was the one that gave me my, um, chip. So I have Aww. a picture of, of them. Yeah. And so I don't know, it was special. And I hope that they, you know, see that I don't try to pretend, you know, like I have it all together, yes. you know, I'm human. We all are, but yes, you know, we you all can, mess up, but we get back up and do our best. Yes. And it's how you handle you know, the mistakes and how you handle difficult times in life, hopefully that defines who you are and not the mistakes that you, that you made. So absolutely. Special. Yeah. So what do you think about kind of the advent of the sober curious movement and the view that's a little bit different than the disease model of addiction, the view that states that people are not the problem, that alcohol is the problem. Alcohol is a problematic substance and um, anyone has the capacity to have negative consequences from it. And there are no benefits, at least to your physical health, to drinking alcohol. What, I mean, what I comes think it's up for great. you? I think it's yeah. such a long time coming, you know? Yes. And you can probably answer more to this. You know, they, I get a little bit confused and people ask me a lot about, you know, what makes an alcoholic. And I'm like, to tell you the truth, I don't really know. I'm not going to answer yeah. that question. I can't tell you if you're an alcoholic. I do know that there's a genetic component. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I think that anybody can develop a dependence on alcohol, whether you have the gene or not. Absolutely. So I don't really understand the fascination, I guess, with any human can become physically dependent on alcohol. Yes. And anyone who's not physically dependent on alcohol can still have negative consequences from the use of alcohol or develop other medical issues. I mean, medical we, issues. we now know that alcohol is a classified one carcinogen. 
And it's linked to seven different types of cancer, including breast cancer in women. And which I don't think anybody, nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about it or knows about it. I was reading about it yesterday. 3.5% of all cancer deaths are cancers that were caused by alcohol. Wow. And that's, that's, that's a scary statistic, you know, scary statistic. I remember you were telling me um, just about it being a, a level one carcinogen. And I'm like, I, I had no idea. And, no. you know, you kind of likened it to the tobacco um, industry. industry where that was kept secret and stuff, because I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Absolutely. So much of our economy is riding on yeah. alcohol being ingrained in our yeah. culture. For sure. But you think about the 50s, 60s, 70s when doctors are, you know, you see advertisements with doctors in white coats smoking their cigarettes and promoting a brand. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, people really didn't know for a while that right. cigarettes caused cancer. Well, and you and know, that, I, think I think that alcohol is very similar. Yeah. And you know that they've had to have known about it for decades yes, as far yes. as alcohol. Um, I think that it's great, though, and I hear a lot about the sober curious movement. I think that I think that people may be too hung up on whether they are an alcoholic or not. Yes. And it's is it causing a, a problem in your life? OK, and then but go really deeper than that. Why are why do you want to use alcohol? Are you using right. it to to cope with stress? which in turn causes more stress just for the, the physical, you know, attributes of the way that alcohol metabolizes in your system to, you know, there's so many things. So I think that each individual just really needs to look at the relationship with alcohol. Um, I think I totally agree. The term alcoholic, I think in some ways it's been tremendously helpful to some people. And then in some ways, I think that it's kept a lot of people Absolutely. In a pattern of using alcohol and yes. continuing to suffer yes. consequences because the consequences don't look like a typical alcoholic exactly. consequence. Exactly. And so my advice would be just let go of trying to figure out that question. Am right. I an alcoholic or not? Like that's the wrong question. The question is, you know, what are the costs of alcohol in my life? What's the benefit sure. of alcohol in my life? What would happen if I created a life that was so satisfying that I didn't need alcohol anymore? Yes. What if I radically set set boundaries and made changes in my life? Maybe alcohol would be irrelevant. Yes. You know, what, what are, how is alcohol a barrier to me reaching my potential in life? How's it impacting my marriage? How's it impacting my children? For sure. Do I want my children to have the same relationship with alcohol that I have. All yes. those questions are really what's most important. And alcoholic really isn't an official medical term. The official, the official diagnosis would be alcohol use disorder. Yes. But most people don't actually have alcohol use disorder, but they could have lots of different consequences from alcohol use. Yes. And so my advice is, let go of the term alcoholic unless that helps you. And if AA isn't the route that people want to go, there's now so many there's other so options many, yes. for finding support and healing. And even just in the seven years since I've quit drinking, yes. it's, it's changed radically. Um, the, the alcoholic thing it does, people get so hung up on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I didn't, you know, like love the label, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't want to be identified. It just, it has such a stigma to it. And there's such a misconceptions that, you know, okay, if you're an alcoholic, you're waking up at 5am to, you know, get a drink of vodka or something, or, you know, or you've had some major life consequences that had where you just can't, you know, right. Like you've almost ruined your life and you have to quit drinking or you're going to die or lose everything. And that wasn't my story at all. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't get a DUI. I never, you know, got into any legal trouble. Um, nobody ever got physically hurt. You know, there was nothing that what I guess people would say would be, oh, well, she, you know, she hit rock bottom. She's lost her marriage. She's lost, you know, her kid, you know, different things like that. There was nothing. There was nothing like that. Like that for me. It was yeah. just, you know, some family and myself knowing this just isn't a good 
good road that I need to continue. You know, yeah. it can be detrimental. Yeah. The cost um, is too high. Yeah. yeah. For the very minimal sure. benefit. Very. And at that point, you know, I mean, with the time that I did, had decided that to give it up, there were, there was no benefit, you know, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't fun anymore. I felt so horrible, but it was also such a large part of my identity yes. of being the fun, uninhibited. Oh, Katie, let's go have a drink. You know, yes. okay, here is that, you know, you kind of like have the life of the party and yeah, yeah. And then you feel like you have to kind of live up to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's finding, you know, who you are um, without alcohol. And so on one hand, I don't want alcohol to be who you, you know, to kind of define you, but then you also don't want the fact that you don't drink alcohol to define who right. you are. And it, it, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a part of, kind of your identity. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think that the, our culture is getting better there. I think I that think there's so. a counter cultural movement that is yes. gaining momentum and it's changing the conversation. And yes. I'm, I'm so hopeful and optimistic about that. I, I really am too. And, you know, um, I know I've shared this with you that whenever I very first started, stopped drinking, I was, I had so much anxiety when we did have something social to go to that I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't drinking. So yes. I did everything I could to camouflage, you know, I would drink non-alcoholic beer that looked like it was still beer. You know, you had to really look to tell that it was non-alcoholic Yeah. Um, or I would drink, you know, uh, uh, soda water with limes and it may look like a vodka tonic. I didn't want anybody to question the fact that I wasn't drinking, which yeah. says so much about our culture too. Yes. That, you know, that somebody will question that. that somebody will question. And it's like, well, why aren't you drinking? What happened to you that you're not drinking instead of the other way around? Like it's so backwards in our culture yes. and what's acceptable, but drinking to drug and drunkenness, you know, is more acceptable than me, you know, choosing, choosing not to drink out of my life. Right. Now, it's the only drug in the world that you have yes. to justify not using. Yes. And so now it doesn't bother me. And it's funny. I, I think I was just at such a vulnerable spot whenever I did first quit drinking because it had been such a big part of my life and kind of my identity. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then I didn't want people to get the wrong impression of what, you know, what, why I, I wasn't drinking. And maybe anymore. you weren't ready to answer those questions and that's I don't okay. Think I was. Yeah. And I think and if I thought, that's what people need to do for a while, then that's yes. fine. And it was, I, but then I also kind of had guilt that, and it was definitely just something with me like, well, you know, why am I ashamed to say that I'm not drinking? You know, that was kind of the feeling or the narrative in my head. Like I was feeling like maybe I was doing something wrong by pretending that I was drinking and I wasn't pretending mm -hmm. I was that I was drinking. I was just, just, you know, trying to blend yeah. in. But now looking back, like that's what I needed to do at that time. And that was absolutely perfectly fine. Now it doesn't bother me in the slightest, you know, I will have a mocktail if we go to, to dinner, you know, and, and, um, I do like a non-alcoholic beer every once in a while when it's hot yeah. and at the lake or if we're at the beach or something, but for the most part, I mean, and now everybody carries around these giant cups. I mean, everybody <laughs> just assumes you have alcohol. Who knows in what's in those cups? It's just my strawberry water, but so. yes. Well, any advice that you would give to people who are early in sobriety or who are considering living an alcohol-free life, anything that was super helpful for you that, that you would share with others? Um, one thing that I will say is that, you know, they say not to get sober or, you know, choose sobriety um, for anybody but yourself which is, is true. You definitely have to want it. If you're doing it for somebody else, you won't succeed. It won't be, you know, a, a part of your life long-term. Right. But I think that when you're a wife and a mother and a daughter and, and you value those relationships, you really have to take a look at how alcohol is affecting the people that are most important to you. Yes. Um, and then also really need to have raw honesty with yourself. Yeah. And I've had a lot of conversations with different friends that will say, and I think that they're almost kind of fishing, like, do they have a problem or do they not? You know, and they, so they want mm -hmm. me to validate in some way, which really they, they don't want to hear, you know, my opinion. And, and I don't know, 
You know, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I can, I have an idea, I have a thought. And so to me, whenever they're asking, it's more like they're, they're asking themselves, you know, right. and maybe trying to justify them. So they'll say, well, maybe- I, you know, I quit drinking during the week and, you know, I only drink on the weekends or, you know, well, I've done this or I've done that or I've made this change. And so, but like you said, they're asking the wrong question as far mm-hmm. as, are you an alcoholic? It's what does it add to your life? What does it take away from your life? And, you know, most people that do have a dependency on alcohol are very high functioning. Yes. I would say that's the majority of people that have a problem with alcohol. And so I think that there's also, this is what going to treatment helped me see as far as truthfully is that most people that have a problem with alcohol look like me. Me and you. Not what the, what the stigma is or what you think is, is the homeless man on the corner who's lost everything because of drinking. Right. And so, um, that helped. I mean, my faith helped a lot. Um, finding somebody to help you that, to hold you accountable. Um, you know, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's a counselor, whether it's somebody, and you know, I know that there's a lot of other resources now besides AA. Yes. Um, even online groups, you know, yes. a lot of AA groups meet virtually and then also just groups that are led by different coaches you can find on social media. Yes. And then I think also, um, it's not what you're giving up, focus on what you're gaining because the relationship that I have with my children now, I would not have if I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. I quit drinking when Jackson was in junior high. Um, I didn't drink around them for a couple yeah. of years prior to that. Um, all through Jackson's high school years and, and Cannon's and now Claire James, I'm giving them um, a security of knowing that their mother is always going to be of sound mind. I'm giving them security of knowing on Friday and Saturday night, most nights, mom and dad are home. If I need them. I know exactly where they are and they are both of sound mind and they can get in the car and come get me. They can come get in the car and come get me. So I've gained that I've gained their trust. I'm always the same. You know, it's not like mom's been drinking or, you know, she's going to come home or is she going to embarrass me in front of my friends or is she going to be, you know, so hung over for two days or just even the day, you know, the next day that, yes. you know, she's going to be short and irritable. I feel like um, that Jackson, I know, and same with Cannon, you know, when they started driving and going out and they got into their high school years, you know, when they would, co- they, they come home, they'll come in, they'll talk to me, we'll have a conversation. Maybe they'll be telling me a story. You know, I have that connection with them that I know if I was still drinking, they would probably be avoiding me, but because by midnight, if I was still up, it means that I'd had too much to drink. And that's not a conversation. It's it's not fun to have a conversation with. Right. They wouldn't want to engage in with you. They would, just wouldn't want to engage. So it would probably be avoidance. And so um, that is one thing that I've gained. And then also, of course, um, just my marriage is so much better and so much more fulfilling um, yes. than, than with with alcohol. So yes, like definitely focus on what you're gaining and not what you're giving up because it is, you know, and those are just to name a couple. The relationship with your children and the ability to provide for them emotional safety and consistency is priceless. Yes. It's priceless. I know Jackson, whenever he um, moved off um, to his first apartment and we were saying, well, do you miss home? And he was like, well, yeah, I kind of do. We're, he was like, I mean, I'm like, I'm sorry. I was raised in a, you know, happy, loving home, but I kind of miss yes. it. So just for an 18 year old to say that it's the best thing in the best in the world. feeling. Yes. And I, I mean, my only regret is just not doing it sooner. I did mm-hmm. have a lot of guilt. I think a lot at first, whenever I first got sober, which yeah. that's one of the things that, uh, uh, that, you know, that you need to work through. And I yes. highly recommend that's one of the great things about treatment. It's kind of working through those emotions, but that I did drink more whenever they were younger and stuff. I've let that go now. And, yeah. um, I mean, of it was course, probably a grieving process, you know, like some, some sadness that 
if you could do it over, you would do those years differently. Absolutely. But Absolutely. also acceptance that it was just part of your story and you've yes you've grown because of it. And yes. now you have this beautiful, authentic relationship with your yes. children. I think too, you know, whenever I was drinking, you have so many different um, surface friendships, you know, that you're friends with because, you know, you get together. And so it was kind of hard because um, we hadn't lived here very long. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, it's hard to make new friends just as, as it is as an adult as it is. Um, it was kind of harder when we were here. I'd had Clara Jane and then not very long after I got, you know, I quit drinking. When you're not, when you're drinking, you're always looking for somebody to drink to get with together you and have a drink with, have a drink, get together. And so it's easier to make friends. So I don't want to paint this, you know, rosy picture like, oh, you know, there are definitely some challenges of not yeah. drinking. And so there were a couple of times that, you know, are probably more than a couple that I would kind of get a little down. Like, I don't really have a lot of friends here. Um, you know, you kind of feel left out and not included, but at the same time, you're not reaching out or trying to make you know, plans because it, that just doesn't sound fun, you know, yeah. um, as far as getting together just to small talk. And when the main activity is drinking, right. I had prayed for, you know, God to bring me, you know, just good friends. And I, um, and I have, you know, so I don't have a huge group, which is kind of more like I like it, but I have, yeah. you know, three or four very authentic friendships that, you know, are very close, very good, good friendships that I know that I could call them and they would be there in a second. And same for me. Yes. Um, and so that, that is kind of, um, you know, another, it's another challenging. Problem. Yeah. It's challenging. And there's, you know, hard times of loneliness or sadness or feeling left yes. out. But ultimately what I hear you saying is that you can make friends. It just takes longer, but they may yes. be more authentic Absolutely. relationships and friendships anyway. Absolutely. That's exa exactly. You said it. Yeah. You said what and, I was trying to say, Jane. And your idea of fun changes, you know? Absolutely. Like maybe Absolutely. your idea of fun is like going to lunch with someone and then going to get a pedicure instead Absolutely. of meeting up for happy yes. hour or going to a wine bar or something. Yes. yes. Yeah, and we're fortunate enough to have the lake house too. That's, you know, a big, um, a big source of fun and satisfaction. Fun. And ironically, our favorite place to go is Vegas. Yes. <laughs> so go. My first time I ever went to Vegas was with you and your parents when I was 15. Yes, yes, yes. 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 So before I got sober, it was my, one of my favorite places. And we have a really good friends, um, Lisa and Jeremy that we love to travel with. We've go to Vegas with them. We um, went to Scotland and, and um, England with them last spring. Um, and so traveling is one of our things, but it is ironic that Vegas is still our favorite place, yes. but I love it. And I love it just as much not drinking as I did drinking it's actually more because I can get up the next day and feel good to go. Yes. You know, I love my slot machines. <laughs> Yes. And you can remember every bit of fun too. Yes. Yes. It's not foggy the, the next morning. The fabulous restaurants, the shopping. I love it all. Yes. So, that's yeah. awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story. It takes a lot of courage to get on here and talk about things that feel vulnerable, but there's so much beauty and meaning to be found in your story. And I think so many oh, people will you. feel inspired and validated and reassured that they're not alone and there's hope. Yes. I, I hope so. And that was, you know, my whole, um, whole reason for accepting your invite to share yes. my story. And, um, yeah, if anybody ever has any questions or needs any help getting through it, or, you know, I'm always here reach out yes. to Jane. She'll get you in touch with me or yes. anything. Or we'll that... put your Instagram handle in the show notes so people can yes. reach out. They yes. can DM you. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's worth All it. Right. I promise. It's not easy. It's a lot of hard work, but um, it's absolutely worth it. It was one of the hardest and the best things that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for doing this podcast and helping. I'm I'm so hopeful for this sober curious movement. I will say I that too. That, um, you know, we had, I think we did talk about this, but it's, I feel like that it's showing, um, 
So with the consumerism, it, you know, kind of follows different movements. Yes. And, you know, now when you go, to, whenever I first got sober, it was hard to find a non-alcoholic beer, definitely yeah. not a mocktail. And now, I mean, every restaurant that you go to, there's always one or two non-alcoholic beers and there's always two or three mocktails. And so yes. I think that that's, you know, speaks volumes for where, um, where the movement's going. So. Absolutely. And the non-alcoholic beers actually taste really good. The IPAs are really good. They do. They do. Yeah. So yeah. I love you, friends. Thank you. Yes, for what you're I love doing. you so much. And thank you again. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds Thank you so much for listening. We truly value each one of you. In support of the podcast, please follow or subscribe to the Mindful Sobriety Podcast. We'd love to connect with you via Instagram at Jane W. Ballard and or DFW Yoga Girl. Sending you love and light.